This is Notoriously Episcopalian. My name is Kelly Hudlow. This is a podcast of sermons and musings all about the Christian faith and especially about being an Episcopalian. This is a sermon for the last Sunday after Pentecost, Christ the King Sunday, November 21st, 2021, offered at the Church of the Messiah in Heflin, Alabama. The principal text for the sermon is John chapter 18, verses 33 through 37, Jesus' first appearance in front of Pilate. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The reading from our gospel this morning is familiar, and so you may know what the next line, the gospel cuts right off, cuts off right before um, it gets to this. The next line is Pilate's response to Jesus is the question, well, what is truth? It's not a response that we likely expect from Pilate. On the surface, in this scene, Pilate seems to hold all the power. He is the judge that has the power to crucify Jesus, something that he's going to make sure Jesus knows in just a few moments. Jesus has been brought to them for what we might in more modern terms consider an arraignment hearing, right? An arraignment in criminal court is when a defendant is brought before a judge. The judge's job is to confirm the person's identity, that they are the named person in the charges, to read the charges to them, and to accept the person's plea, usually guilty or not guilty. But Jesus' appearance in front of Pilate is complicated because it is Jesus' identity and the claims about his identity, who he is, that is actually what is on trial, not what he has done. So when Pilate asks if Jesus is the king of the Jews, Jesus decides again not to answer, but instead asks questions back to Pilate about what the source of his information is, who has been sort of feeding him information about Jesus and what's been going on. When Pilate asks what Jesus has done, Jesus instead doesn't talk about all that had come before this moment. Instead, he explains that his kingdom is not of this world. That the source of his authority for what he is doing doesn't come from this world. So with Jesus on one side and Pilate on the other, we have a very stark contrast of power happening. Pilate's power is from Rome, right? His power is built on the authority given to him by Caesar who governs an empire through economic exploitation and military strength and violence. We are in Jerusalem, in Judea, an occupied country that's occupied as a colony of the Roman Empire. That's Pilate. Jesus, on the other hand, is a guy from the Galilee. Right? A teacher that has traveled around teaching people and performing signs and wonders. But we do know that Jesus at this moment in his ministry could unleash a mob if he wanted to. After Jesus raises Lazarus, the Pharisees begin to plan to arrest him. But when they see Jesus enter Jerusalem and they see him greeted by the crowds, the Pharisees realize that that's not the time to arrest him because the world has gone after him. The world is following him. And so they fear what Jesus could do if he turned the mob against them. 
Even on the night that he is finally arrested, when the Pharisees move against him in the garden, when he doesn't have the crowd, Peter is armed with a sword and cuts off the ear of a servant that's there with the soldiers. And it is Jesus that tells Peter to stop and to put his sword back into its sheath. Jesus in this moment with Pilate could certainly use the power of this world, but does not. He does not need violence or the support of the crowd for his authority because his authority is not of this world. His authority is from God. Now we have to be a bit careful. We are tempted to read the words of Jesus in this scene when he's talking about his kingdom being not of this world and decide that what Jesus is talking about is some otherworldly spiritual kingdom that doesn't have a place in the here and now, that Christianity and our faith is about something outside this world, beyond this world that happens to us after we die. But Jesus isn't talking about where the authority occupies space, he's talking about where his authority comes from. The kingdom of Jesus, the Alpha and Omega, the kingdom of God, is not limited to a spiritual plane. Jesus makes a point to say that he was born, that God came into the world through the incarnation of Jesus Christ so that the voice of truth could speak in this world to those who belong to God And even to those that don't. This notion of truth speaking, right? There's a familiar phrase that was popularized by a civil rights organizer named Bayard Rustin that's called speaking truth to power. He writes this phrase in a Quaker pamphlet in the 1950s. It's a nonviolent resistance tactic that's been used by Gandhi and Sophie Scholl and Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama and many others. The concept is simple. To protest an unjust system that perpetuates itself through propaganda, the person resisting that system simply stands up and speaks the truth in a way that cannot be ignored. And for the truth speaker, it is often a costly activity. But... Their action of speaking truth to power calls others to join in in the resistance. Jesus says, for this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The story of Rome. The propaganda story that Jesus is standing against is that the emperor, through his agents, wields the power of life and death, the power of freedom and oppression, the power of feast and famine, that the empire bestows these things or takes them away at the emperor's whim. And so when Jesus stands in front of Pilate, he stands there speaking the truth as the truth. The truth of Jesus is that we were created by the word of God and that the word became incarnate and walked with us and that it is God that wields the power of life, not just life, but abundant and eternal life. That through Jesus, signs and wonders were performed so that we could believe Jesus changes water into wine. Jesus heals 
children and makes the lame walk and the blind see. Jesus takes two fish and five loaves and feeds 5,000 people. It's Jesus that walks on water. And then it's Jesus that has the power of life and raises the dead. The truth of Jesus standing in front of Pilate is that God is the one that offers life. And that the life of God's kingdom is so abundant that there is nothing that Rome can do to stop it. And that even death itself will be defeated. And it's those that belong to this life, to this abundant life of God's kingdom, that when they hear the voice of the incarnate word of God speaking, that they listen and they follow that voice. Each one in turn sharing the truth of God's abundant life, speaking truth to the powers of this world. Today is the last Sunday after the Feast of Pentecost. I think we're 26 Sundays now if we were going to use the number. It is often called Christ the King Sunday. You know, as we're wearing white We've had wonderful hymns that are about Jesus as King and Lord. And while the image of Christ as King or ruler of the universe has been around since the earliest church, this particular feast day is very new. It was created, put on the calendar by Pope Pius XI in 1925. In the early 20th century, right, if we think about what's going on in the world at that point in time, we have this increasing rise of nationalism in Europe and secularism. Russia has just gone through the communist revolution. Fascism is rising in Italy. What's going to become the Nazi party is beginning to take roots in Germany. And the Pope looked at the world and decided that it needed a reminder that who Christians follow as king is Jesus Christ. And that the truth that they belonged to and that the voice that they were to follow were not these charismatic national leaders, but they were to follow the voice of Christ. And so he made a holiday, a feast, a celebration, a time to return our minds and hearts to the king that we serve. And so a hundred years later, we come to the end of our liturgical season, right? We're going to reset the clocks, right? Advent starts next Sunday, and we begin the story again of following Jesus through his advent and coming as a baby and looking for his second coming and power and through his life and ministry and through Easter. And all of that begins again next Sunday. But at the end of that cycle, in the 21st century, a hundred years after Pope Pius first gave us this feast day, we find ourselves living in an uncertain world, filled with different powers, all seeking to take our attention, strife, greed, violence, all of it amplified by a 24-hour news cycle on the World Wide Web. But we get here to this Sunday, to Christ the King Sunday, to the close of our liturgical year, and we remind ourselves that it is Christ who is our king. And that it is Christ that speaks the truth into the powers of this world. And the truth that we belong to Jesus. And that it's through Jesus that we receive abundant life and grace and freedom. And that as followers of Jesus that we are called to speak that same truth of abundant life to those around us. And that no matter how impossible it seems, 
and this sort of crazy world that we live in, no matter how dark it might seem to get, that we on this Sunday know the truth that the light of Christ shines in this world and that the darkness will not overcome it. Amen.